I am going to give a quick recap. If this, if this is your first time at Living Word, I want to personally welcome you. You know, last week, Pastor Michael already mentioned this, but he started a brand new series that's all about passionate spirituality. And I love the question that he asked us. It was basically, how do you discover your purpose? Because we know that our purpose is connected to our passion. And so we learned last week that we should first renew our minds. That allows us to discover the purpose in our lives and live passionately for God. And I'm basically picking up where he left off. I'm talking about yet another way that we can renew our minds by actually prioritizing the presence of God in our lives. And, you know, this conversation for me is very timely personally, but it's also timely for the body of Christ. Because as you already know, there will always be things that attempt to distract us in our relationship with God. You know, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, John is writing this letter to believers, and at the very end of that chapter, he says this, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Why does John say that? Because he knew that there would be things that would attempt to take God's place in our hearts. It was true in the Bible, but it is absolutely true for us right now. <laughs> In 2023, you know that there is always someone or something trying to get our attention. And the tricky part is that some of the things that are distracting us, you know what, they're not necessarily bad. I have some friends who love Jesus, probably very similar to you who have friends who love Jesus. Some of them are joining us today for the first time, so I want to say thank you to those folks. You know what, they read books. They listen to podcasts. They're smart people. They love God. And when they hear something or see something, they'll send it to me like, Charlene, have you seen this? Have you heard this? And you know what? I get excited. I praise God for the men and women who are creating outstanding resources that help me grow in my walk with God. But you know what? I have to constantly remind myself that although those resources, they're excellent, I have to remind myself that they're supplements. They're not substitutes, Right? Because I know it can become very easy to prioritize hearing about God through a resource rather than learning how to hear from God in relationship with him and his word. And I don't want that to be the case in my life. Amen. We can say amen to that. You know, I don't want that to be the case in my life. I don't want to become more familiar with the voice of a podcaster or a preacher more than the voice of God. I don't want to become more comfortable being in the presence of other humans than I am in the presence of God because I believe that the same level of intentionality that we give to developing a deep and meaningful relationship with each other is the same level of intentionality, if not greater, that we should give to developing a deep and meaningful relationship with God. That's why this conversation around prioritizing God's presence is so important and it's really foundational to our faith. And you know what? I haven't always understood that, if I'm honest. I've had to grow to this place because when I first gave my life to Jesus, I was like everybody else. I was messed up, really messed up. And so most of the time that I spent in the presence of God was just asking God to save me, save me from something. And as I continue to grow, I realize, you know what? There's another level. There's another level to the relationship we can actually have with God. And there were some specific things that happened, but I remember early on, I used to work a part-time job at the mall. And at this part-time job, I used to get a 30-minute break, right? I would take my 30-minute break. I would find some friends. I would hang out. It was what I did. But one particular day, I tried to gather some people, and no one was available. And it bothered me. Normally, it wouldn't bother me, but that day, it bothered me. It bothered me so much that I found myself complaining to God about how nobody wanted to hang out with me. And after I got done complaining, you know what? I heard the Holy Spirit. He's so gracious. He said, you didn't invite me. 
said, you didn't invite me. And when I heard it in my spirit, I was like, you're right, God. I didn't invite you. I should have. And I don't remember what I talked about with God. I don't remember what I did, but I remember that conversation changing my relationship with Jesus. You know, God doesn't just want to be a part of our salvation story. He wants to be a part of our everyday story. And this morning, we're going to look at two women in the Bible and their encounters with God because they have so much to teach us about prioritizing his presence. And they are Mary and Martha. And if you've been a part of church for a while, then you've probably heard about them. You probably know their story. But if you're new to the Bible or you recently gave your life to Christ, I'm going to give you some background on these two women. They're sisters, right? They're sisters. And they have a really famous brother. You might know him because he was dead, dead. And Jesus raised him from the dead in John chapter 11. His name is Lazarus. So all three of these siblings, they are from this small town in Bethany. They all have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 11, verse 5, the Bible says that Jesus loved them. Now, this is important to remember that whenever you see someone interacting with Jesus in the New Testament, they are in that moment in the presence of God. And why do I say that? Because when Jesus was coming into the world, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So anytime that you see someone having a conversation, having a meal with Jesus, they are in the presence of God. And so the first time that we actually see Mary and Martha have an encounter with Jesus and, and be in the presence of God is actually in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and I'm going to just read it. You can follow along. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem... They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. His sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? <laughs> Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried, upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. You know, we have so much to learn, specifically from Martha's interaction with Jesus. And the first thing that we learn is that we should focus on being with God rather than just doing for God. You know, Martha's the one that actually invites Jesus into her home, but then she finds herself distracted with preparing for him rather than actually being with him. And we all may have found ourselves in a similar situation. If you have a relationship with Jesus, then you've already done the work of welcoming God into your life. The question is, are you focused on preparing for him or are you focused on sitting with him? Are you focused on doing for God or are you focused on actually being with God? Because Martha finds herself in a situation where she's serving when she really could have been sitting. And I want to talk about serving because serving is a good thing. There is absolutely a time for us to serve, but then there is also a time for us to sit and receive from the presence of God. You know, the Holy Spirit said to me several years ago, Charlene, you will experience the rest of God when you experience the rest of God. And what did he mean by that? That there's more. There's more than I can experience about God, but I'm not going to be able to get to that place until I learn how to actually rest in his presence. And I recognize that for our culture, it is very difficult to do that. It's very difficult to do that because in often, in often cases, we're taught to do the exact opposite. In a lot of ways, we're taught that our service is really connected to our value, right? That what we put out is connected to our value. 
And some of us, if we're honest, we've been serving God in an attempt to be more valuable. But I want you to hear this this morning. You're already valued. God already loves you. <laughs> he absolutely loves you. And your service should be a byproduct. Our service should be a byproduct of the love that we have for him. It should never be an attempt to get him to love us more. Because he already does. You know, what's interesting to me, if you ask most Christians, what does it mean to really love God? They would oftentimes say serving. I prove that I love God by serving. And yet in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, the Bible says loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, the audience that would have originally heard that would have understood that word commandments to include the Ten Commandments that we're very familiar with. And you know, in our culture, the one commandment that often gets left out of conversation Sabbath, rest, rest. God gives us instructions to take intentional moments of rest in his presence, and yet we find ourselves busy doing things. And to Martha's defense, it wasn't like she was doing nothing. <laughs> it wasn't like she was wasting time. No, she was taking care of legitimate responsibilities, and we all should take care of our responsibilities. So it's not that she was distracted by something that was bad, it's just that she didn't have God first. So that means that everything that came before and everything that came after God was automatically out of order. And the same thing is true for our lives. So when we welcome God to be at home in our hearts, let's make sure that we're prioritizing him and focusing on actually being with God rather than always just trying to do for God. You know, the second thing that we learned from Martha is that we should focus on our personal relationship with God before focusing on someone else's relationship with God. You know, Martha does eventually pause from her work. She comes over to Jesus, but she still doesn't take that moment to actually prioritize him. Instead, she comes to Jesus to talk about somebody else. In Luke chapter 10, verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you, which is very interesting, that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. Martha literally gets distracted by someone else's encounter with God. And that sometimes happens to us, right? Some of us have become really, really focused on trying to get other people to serve God. You need to serve God. Rather than focusing on setting an example of what it looks like to be in relationship with him. And you know what? There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being concerned about someone else's relationship with Jesus. We want our kids, we want our spouses, we want our friends, our family to have a fruitful relationship with Jesus. But can I tell you that the best witness that we can have for them is actually our own personal walk. So the question is not how are you serving the God, the, serving God. The question is how am I prioritizing God's presence in my life? Right? Is there tangible evidence in my life that shows that I've been hanging out with God often? <laughs> Do people know I love Jesus? Now, I know we'd all love to be like, yes, everybody knows that I love God. <laughs> but do they? Right? They know you go to church. But do they know you love God? Because we just talked about loving God means keeping his commandments. So is there evidence in your life that says you actually live according to his word? This is why it's important for us to focus on our personal relationships with Jesus. And, you know, I want to talk about four areas of our life that we can really drill down in. 
And by doing so, it's going to give us the opportunity to really begin to put God first. And the first area is reading the Bible. Amen? Reading the Bible. You know, I've made a personal commitment in my life to approach the Word of God with wonder and curiosity. I love reading the Word. As a church family, we are going through the Bible in a year. 365 days, y'all. That is a really good pace. Because last year, I had a friend who said, Charlie, I'm going to read the Bible in 30 days. Do you want to join me? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> that is very aggressive. That is, that is a lot of reading, a lot of listening. It's good. So if, if you want to do it, I encourage you. But I think going through the Bible in a year is a much, is a much better pace, right, to actually absorb the Word. And maybe you're in here this morning, you're like, Charlene, I, check that off. I spend time in the Word. I read the Bible. That's good. Maybe this is our opportunity to step up and actually study, study a little bit more. You know, I use a study tool called SOAP. You may be familiar with it. I adopted it from another pastor. It really stands for Scripture. It's an acronym, Observation, Application, and Prayer. Most of the devotionals that you read are actually written in this format, but it is something that you can apply to your personal time with God. You know, when I go into my time in the Word, I have my Bible, I'm reading the Scripture, and then I'm actually looking. What do I see in the passage? What is the Holy Spirit showing me? That's the observation. The application is how do I apply this to my life? How do I make this real for me right now? And then finally is the prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to seal that word in your heart so that you can live it out in your everyday life. So the first area is reading the Bible. The second one, pray and fellowship with God. Pray and fellowship with God. You know, I've been guilty of telling God, Lord, you already know what's in my heart. You already know what's in my mind, so I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> and I realized, you know what, prayer is not always about me. <laughs> it's not always about you. Prayer is a significant opportunity for us to actually get to know God. Some of the best moments that I've actually had in prayer are the times that I ask God questions about him. So again, when I'm going into prayer, I have the same things. I have my Bible, I have my journal, I have my pen. I'm asking the Holy Spirit questions, questions about his character, who he is according to the word. It's an excellent place to be able to begin our prayer time. And some of us in here may have heard something similar, or maybe you're in here and you're like, you know what? I hear what you're saying, Charlene, but I still don't know where to start. <laughs> Do I just open up my mouth and start talking to God? Well, that is one strategy that you can approach prayer with. And if you are in here and, you, and that's the way you feel, I want you to be at ease because disciples who walk with Jesus also ask, hey, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus actually gives this beautiful outline in scripture. We know it as the Lord's prayer, but really it's a beautiful outline on how we can apply prayer to our own lives. And so in Matthew chapter six, verse nine through 13, he starts off in verse nine saying, pray like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, start with praise, start with praise. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's acknowledging God's plan for our lives. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. That's asking for provision, but it's also remembering the promises of God. Verse 12 says, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's our opportunity to present our faults before God. The Bible says that if we confess our sins before God, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Prayer is an appropriate time to come to the Lord and say, you know what? This is where I'm falling short. Help me. And then finally, <clears throat> In verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. That's asking for protection over our mind, our will, and our emotions. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's ending with praise. It's a beautiful outline that we can use to actually structure our time with God. You know, the next area that we can begin to focus on in prioritizing God is worship. Anybody like to worship God? Anybody get excited about worship? You know, oftentimes when we think about worship, we think about worship in a corporate setting. What we did earlier today, we have a phenomenal worship team that leads us. But you know what? Worship doesn't have to be exclusive to a corporate setting. You can choose to worship God wherever you want. <laughs> you can put on music, begin to sing and shout. If that's what you do during worship, maybe you're someone who likes to sit and soak in the presence of God. However you want to do it, my encouragement is to make a priority of not only engaging in corporate worship by coming to church as often as you can, but finding opportunities to actually worship God in your personal and private time. And then finally, offering. It's the offering of our time, our talents, and our treasures. And when I talk about offering time, it's really a mindset, right? It's not looking at your schedule and saying, okay, God, let's figure out where we can fit you in here. No, it's saying, you know, Lord, I don't want you just to have the top of my day or a part of my day. I want you to have all of my day. It's structuring my life around the plan of God for my life. That's the offering of our time. The same thing, the offering of our talents. Each of us in here has gifts to offer to the body. All of us, right? And you may be offering those gifts in a vocational setting, or you may be offering them in a volunteer setting. Either way, our commitment to say, Lord, these are the gifts that you've given me. I'm going to give them back to you is yet another way that we can prioritize him in our lives. And then finally, there's treasures. Tithing and offering. Making a financial contribution to support the work of ministry. All of these areas are practical areas in our life that we can say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to put you first in these particular areas. So let's focus on our personal relationships with God. The next thing that we learned from Martha is that we should surrender our desires along with the details of our lives. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, 41, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. Has anybody ever been worried, upset, or about the details of their life? Of course, we all have. I know I definitely have. And the times that I've been worried and upset about the details of my life, it's really because I'm not putting God first. If I'm honest, he's somewhere in the room, but you know what? I'm not in front of him. I've allowed the worries of this life, the desire for other things, really to become more important to God, more important than God. And the same thing is true for Martha. You know, she finds herself in a situation where she's worried and upset about the details of her preparation. But you know what? She also has a desire in her heart that is yet to be fulfilled. Because let's be honest, she came to Jesus wanting something, right? She wanted Jesus to tell Mary to get up and help her. She had a real genuine desire. And we all have desires in our lives. Some of us, we may have a very similar desire to Martha. We're like, I want Jesus to tell him to get up and help me. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's a different desire. Either way, we should never let our desires actually detract from our devotion. That's the important piece. You know, I'm in my late 30s, and I'm super fly. Amen. You don't have to agree. Um, you know, I'm single. Amen to single? Come on, married people, support us. Amen to single? Woo, there we go. Right? 
I have friends who are also very single, right? And they very much love Jesus. And their biggest desire in their life right now is marriage. You know, I've sat on the phone with my friends crying. I've been the friend on the phone crying, you know, saying, Lord, you know what? I, I really desire this in my heart, but for whatever reason, God has not allowed that to come to pass. And you know what? I want to give the same encouragement to you that I would give to my friends because maybe it's not marriage for you. Maybe it's something else, but we all have something that we're coming to Jesus and saying, I really want you to do this for me, right? So the encouragement I would give to them is really simple. It is to surrender, completely surrender. And I know we've heard that in church before, but maybe we don't really know what that looks like. It looks like putting our hands up and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to give this to you. Yes, this is a desire of my heart. Now, it's not denying that you have the desire. It's acknowledging it. It's saying, God, I have this desire, and you know what? It's difficult. It hurts that it hasn't come to pass, but I don't want this thing, and I don't want this person more than I want you. That's what real surrender is, and that's not a one-time prayer because surrender is a lifestyle. It's a way that we live our lives. And when we surrender to God, essentially what we're saying is, you know what, God? Your plan is better than my plan. Yes, I don't understand it. I may not even appreciate it right now, but your plan is better than my plan. You know, Matthew chapter 6, 33, I love reading from the New King James Version. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, in context, this scripture is talking about material things, but really the core of the message applies to all the areas of our lives. You know, God is saying to us, sons, daughters, put me first. Put me first. I'm greater than anything you could ever desire. I'm more satisfied than anything you could ever want. Honestly, to put anyone or anything above God really is to choose a lesser thing. And God has so much more for you. He has so much more than he really desires for you. So surrendering the details and the desires of our life is really, really important. And now I want to transition. I want to talk about Mary, right? Because she has some things to teach us, too, by her encounters with God. And the first thing that she actually teaches us is that we should recognize and appreciate the opportunity that we have to be in the presence of God. You know, while Martha is kind of doing her thing, right, preparing, Mary chooses to do something that's very different because she recognizes the moment that she finds herself in. Here she is, a woman in Bethany who is given the opportunity to sit at the feet of a rabbi. So she leaves her domestic responsibilities and she takes the posture of a student, of a disciple, and she sits at Jesus' feet. Why is this so significant? Because often those opportunities were not afforded to women, they were afforded to men. So not only was she taking the opportunity to actually prioritize the presence of God, she was doing it in a way that was completely countercultural. And you know what? When you and I make a decision to live according to God's design and desire for our lives, we also will live very counterculturally. Because our culture is all about, hey, put you first. Be your own God, the master of your own fate. And yet God says, I don't desire that for you. I don't want you to be your own God. I desire to be your God. Submit to me. I have a much, much better plan for you. And our culture also says, do whatever you want. If it feels good, do it. And yet God is so gracious that in his word that he provides clear instructions on how to order our lives in a way that honors him and is ultimately a blessing to other people. 
And you know what? It's worth mentioning that we do have an enemy, right? We have someone who stands in opposition to this. I'm going to call him out. His name is Satan, and he's a liar. <laughs> he spends most of his time trying to convince us that this walk is not worth it, that it's not worth being completely sold out to God, that it's not worth putting God first. And yet Jesus says that it absolutely is. In Luke chapter 10, verse 42, he says, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her, taken away from her. What did she discover? <laughs> Mary discovered that she wasn't the most important person in the room. Jesus was. She saw the opportunity that she had, and she took that opportunity to really be in his presence. You know, this morning, there are people all over the world who still don't have a relationship with Jesus. There may be people in this room who have yet to make a decision to follow Christ. And while we're here talking about prioritizing the presence of God, I want you to hold in your mind that there are still people who have never heard his name. That if you have a Bible, whether it's in paper or on your iPad or a phone, you have a very unique opportunity because there's still people in 2023 who don't even have this. And so my prayer for you is that you would recognize and appreciate the opportunity, very similar to Mary, to actually have fellowship with God as your father. You know, I'm going to close with this. The last time we actually see Mary interacting with Jesus is days before he's crucified. It's a dinner party that's recorded in John chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus, Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. The man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Because y'all know what that's what Martha does. And, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. You know, the very last thing that we learn from Mary is this, is that we should give God our absolute best. We should give God our absolute best. You know, I want you to think about this dinner party for a second. <laughs> Everybody's sitting around, they're eating, having a good time. And in walks Mary with this very expensive perfume oil, the equivalent of a year's worth of wages. And she walks over to Jesus and she bows. And she pours oil on his feet and she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. She pours and she wipes, she pours, and she wipes. And I can barely read that account without becoming a bit emotional. So I can only imagine what Mary was feeling as she was anointing the feet of Jesus. You know, maybe minutes before she walked in with that oil, she was at the dinner party looking around, and she saw her brother Lazarus, and she remembered, oh, I remember when my brother was dead, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Or maybe she saw her sister Martha serving and said, you know what? I remember when Jesus made me feel like I belong and he invited me to sit at his feet. And maybe in that moment, she started to think about all the encounters she had with Jesus, all these opportunities she had to be in the presence of God. And really in an act of worship, she grabs the most expensive thing she can find and she pours it on the feet of Jesus. Why does she do that? Because he's worthy of it. 
You know, this morning, some of us, we don't need another step on how to prioritize the presence of God. We really just need to begin by remembering what God has already done for us. What are the things in your life that were once dead that Jesus raised from the dead? When are the moments when you felt rejected and God made you feel accepted? Those are the things that we should focus on as we have this conversation about prioritizing God's presence. You know, our ability to prioritize him is always going to be directly connected to the quality of the relationship we have with him. The more that we spend time really focusing on the goodness of God, who he is, his character, his love for us, prioritizing him will become much easier. It'll be a desire that we can sustain, not just become a spiritual discipline that we try to practice. God is worthy of our absolute best because he's good. He's good. Can I get an amen? amen? This morning, I believe that God wants us to give him another invitation in our lives. He loves you so much. And many of us, we've already made a commitment to follow God. And so it's not that we need to necessarily recommit our hearts as much as we need to recommit our focus. And so I want to give you an invitation to do that. I'm going to pray for us because I'm, in, I'm included in this. Although I'm sharing the message, I'm still very much always thinking about how am I prioritizing God's presence even in my life. And so as the worship team is, pray, is playing, I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to begin to just meditate on what has God really done for you? How has God showed up in your life? Yeah, there have been things that have gone wrong. That's true for everyone, but what has gone good? What can we really focus on and say, you know what, Lord, you did this, you did this, you did this. You are worthy of my attention. So I want us to pray. Father, thank you so much. God, we are just grateful to be in your presence. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross because you're the one who allows us to even have a relationship with God. And Holy Spirit, you live big on the inside of us. You are the one who's empowering us to live this life, and we just thank you. And this morning, God, I ask that you would open up our hearts. Show us, God, what it looks like to prioritize your presence in our lives. God, may we remember the things that you've done for us. Help us, Holy Spirit, to keep that in perspective. We love you so much, God, and we make a commitment today to say, you know what? You have my focus. You have my heart. You have my attention. You have my time. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor because you are absolutely worthy of it. We love you and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.